welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Um, today we're going to talk about eyes on Jesus. Everybody say eyes on Jesus. Eyes on Jesus. And, and uh, here's the question that I want to answer today. Um, what do you do? When you stepped out and obeyed God in faith, but you feel like you're in the middle of it and your world is falling apart. Has anybody ever been there? Where you feel, (laughs) yes, people have two hands up. I like that. If I was sitting down, I'd have two hands and two arms up. Because there are times when you step out in faith and believe you're obeying God, and you get to the middle of it, and nothing looks the way that you feel like it should look that you think that even God would want it to look. And today we're going to talk about what that looks like. Now, we've been talking about, about faith off and on, and, and um, I think it's important that we talk about faith. A few weeks ago, we talked about faith, and, and uh, I was talking about how there's a deconstruction of faith happening. And we need to maintain and hold on to our faith, and we need to use our faith. In Romans chapter 1, verse 17, it says that um, the just shall live by faith. Right? This is the New King James. It says the just shall live by faith. That means that you're called to live a life where you're actively using your faith. As a Christian and as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ... We shouldn't really live a life where you're not using your faith. If you're not using your faith, you're coasting. You're just taking it easy. You're saved by the grace of God. You know that you're going to heaven. But let me tell you this. There's so much more beyond just going to heaven. Going to heaven isn't the end goal, really, of all of this. Last week, we talked about how we're in a fight. We're in a war, right? And so when you're in a war, you care about the soldiers that are in the war with you, right? And you want to save those people around you. The last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples on earth, some of them were, go into the world and make disciples of all the nations. This is in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. The last thing that he says is, hey, before I take off, before I go, the thing that I really want you to focus on and I want you to remember is to go into all the world. There's people that need what you have, and I want you to go find them and give what you've been given. Give away what you have. And so as followers of Jesus, you're called to live a life where you're actively using your faith, using your faith in your marriage, using your faith on your kids, using your faith in your finances, using your faith on your body, in your mind, in your emotions, where you don't just put up with all the world and the enemy throws at you and brings across your path, but where you say, no, actually, we talked about this a bit last week, where you say, this doesn't line up with the word of God, and so I'm going to begin to use my faith and trust God for my life, my circumstances, my body, my health, to begin to line up to what the word of God says. Am I alone here? 
Are we a bunch of Bible-believing Christians? So he says, the just shall live. Say live. Live. You are called to live. And that word means live. It's talking about your life. You are living it. It's an action word. It's a verb. You shall live by faith. And Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, and this is what really got me thinking. Luke chapter 18, I believe it's verse 8. It says, um, I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, Son of Man is Jesus. It's one of the titles that he called himself. When the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? When Jesus comes back, he's looking for people of faith. Not just people that say, I have faith in God. People that are people that use their faith, that walk in their faith, that put their faith in God in their life. Does anybody in this place have things in your life where you are needing to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? (laughs) Yeah, uh, listen, listen. As a pastor, I'm just gonna tell you right now, all of us should have had our hands up with that question. Because our life Listen, you're gonna, the, Jesus himself said, in this world, you'll have troubles, but be of good cheer. I've, I've overcome the world. But that means that you have to go to him when you're in those trials and those temptations and those storms, and you've got to put your faith in him. Listen, at some point, you're all going to deal with sickness of some kind. Well, that's exciting. At some point, you're all going to have financial stress of some point where you're going to have to trust God to meet your needs, not the bank, not your mom and dad, not somebody else, not some, some dying relative you never knew you had that you're like just hoping. You're not going to have to trust in the government. At some point, you've got to put your faith in Jesus. At some point, most certainly with like one billion percent, if you ever get married or you're married already, you are definitely going to have to believe the Lord. You're going to have to use your faith on your marriage. It's true. (laughs) Pastor Jen said, I am perfect. And she is. I'm talking about using my faith on myself. (laughs) Jen never does anything wrong. It's always me. You're, apparently, (laughs) I I said it, yes. And I should have never said that because now I'm going to hear it all the time. You've got to use your faith. When the Lord comes back, he's going to be looking for people who are living and moving by faith. I want to show you a video real quick, and it's an Instagram reel. And I want to show you this because I feel like a lot of us live life like this. So it's like seven seconds long. So let's play it twice just so we really get it. Make sure the volume's up, and let's just watch this real quick. Yep, that's me. (laughs) You're probably wondering how I ended up in this situation. Can you pause the video? Does it pause? (laughs) Okay, anyways. Yep, that's me. <laughs> You're probably wondering how I ended up in this situation. He's trying so hard. I know you are, Jaden. <laughs> the, the computer keeps freezing. Anyways, okay. I saw this video this week. And if we could somehow have that video back on the screen, I want you just to picture it in your head. The first, the first thing you see is the kid falling and biting it on the ground. 
And I saw this video, and I saw the kid falling, and I began to think about how a lot of us in our life, in different areas and different walks and different times when we're believing God, we end up at that spot where we were. If we could have seen the whole video, the dude was, little dude was like just skating along. Everything was going great. Everything was perfect. It was going, the wheels were moving on the skateboard the way they're supposed to be. But something happened and the kid bit it, right? And I feel like there's times in life where lots of us step out in faith, trust in God. We feel like the Lord said, hey, follow me. We're going to go this direction. And we step out. And for a while, everything's going smooth. Everything's going great. The relationships are working. The finances are working. Whatever he told you to step out to do, your body's healed, healthy, and whole. Everything's going great. And then suddenly something happens and you bite it. Oh yeah, right here. Jaden, yeah, buddy, you got it. And sometimes we end up here at this place, laying on the ground, saying, what happened? I know I heard the Lord. I know he said to do this. But right now, I've fallen off my board. I've skinned up my elbows, my head, my knees, my back. I'm laying on the ground, and I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not where I feel like God desired me to get. What happens? When you're here? What happens when you step out in faith and end up at this place? How do you move forward from here to the next phase? We're going to look at a passage of scripture together, but before we do, I want to tell you, I don't know how many times I've lived this right here. Two weeks ago, Pastor Jenny was preaching, and, and she made allusion to things in our life right now, how things in our life were going. And I, I just want to take a second, and I want to tell you a story about our life. And then we're going to look at the Word of God together. And I want to tell you this story so that you can see that, yes, we're pastors, we're preachers, but we're also real people. And we walk through things. And so when we look at the Word of God together, when I stand up here and preach, I'm not preaching to you. I'm preaching with you. I'm looking at the word of God with you. We're trusting in God together. And if I can say to you, hey, look at, I want you to look at my life, and I want you to see what I'm going through, but at the end of the day, I'm still trusting in the Lord. The apostle Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ, right? You've all heard the apostle Paul said that? And so today I want to tell you a story real quick about our life so that you can see how we're walking through it. Almost two years ago now, we lived up, we live up at Cultus Lake. We bought a house there when we came back from, when we moved back from Alberta. We bought up in Cultus Lake because the market, the housing market was going crazy. And it was the cheapest place to buy, if you can believe it, was in Cultus Lake. And so we bought a house up in Cultus Lake. Everything was great going there. COVID hit. We realized that during COVID that our house layout was not the best layout for a family of four grown adults, basically. Josiah was at the phase in his life. This was two years ago. So Josiah was 18. At this point, Josiah lived above us on the floor, and there were stairs. And then our, our bedroom was on the main floor right off the living room beside the kitchen. And Josiah was an 18-year-old teenage boy who loved to stay up late playing video games, talking to his friends online, laughing as loud as he could, 
running up and down the stairs, getting food all night long, like all hours of the night. I, lo I love this boy more than life itself. But in the middle of the night, I don't know what he's thinking. He says he's being quiet, but it's like a rhino is running up and down the stairs. And he's just up and down, up and down. And, and, and some people in our family don't walk quietly. They're heavy walkers. And Josiah is one of those people where it's like every step is a stomp. Do you know those people? Now, I grew up, listen, I, this is a side trail. I grew up having to tiptoe around the house because the slightest, I feel like the slightest step, my dad would be like, what's happening? Be quiet. And so I learned to walk very quietly. It's true. It's true. The problem's always me, isn't it? I walk quietly everywhere. But Josiah would like, that's how he ran up and down the stairs at 2 o'clock in the morning to get his macaroni or whatever. Anyways, all that to say, we realized that during COVID that our house layout wasn't the greatest scenario for our family. We got like basically four adults living in the house. And somebody approached us. One of the, they were beginning to build phase three in our neighborhood. And one of the builders approached us and said, hey, I'm going to start building in phase three. Would you be interested in building a house over there in phase three? We'd be... So we, we did like we always do when any major decision, and we did like you should do. We took it to the Lord and prayed. We said, Lord, should we do this? What do you think? And we both, the way, the way me and Jen work is we always go off and pray separately and then come back and say, what did you hear? What did you hear? And then we go from there. We both heard yes. And so we began to take steps to sell our house and begin to build this new house. And the original idea was we, we moved out in April of 2021, and the house was supposed to, the new house was supposed to be built by September of 2021, a whopping six months later. Well, we sell our house, we move out, and because it's so short and we have no house, we pack up all of our belongings and put them in storage at Big Steel Box on the freeway. Who knows where that's at? In the floods. Floodplains. That's right. Yes. Yeah, you got it. We put all our stuff there. And then we moved in with our wonderful in-laws because we're like, it's only six months. We don't want to go rent a house for six months. Nobody really wants to rent for six months. And so we went and lived with our in-laws with the four of us and our two dogs and their dog and the two of them. And, this, and they were amazing and great. And we cannot say enough great things about them. But the city got involved, and nothing happened on our house. They kept saying, no permits, no permits, no permits, no permits, no permits, no permits, until October, the end of October, they were finally able to begin to dig up ground on our house to begin to build. Now, in that time, we kept saying, did we hear from the Lord? Did we hear from the Lord? Well, let's go back. And so we actually took some time and went back again separately and prayed and said, Lord, is, it, is this what you want us to do? Because at that, that phase, we could have still pulled out if we wanted to. So we went back and we prayed. We're like, Lord, do you want us to do this? And he's like, yes. And he gave us scriptures. We said, okay. We both got the same scripture. He said, okay, we're gonna go ahead. And so we continued to move ahead, building this house. And so it wasn't until the end of October they were able to start building. And then... Uh, what well, it was November, wasn't it? We had the floods. 
Yes, so they're able to build our house. They finally start building our house. They finally start digging the ground out. And then the flood comes and everything stops and nobody can work for a long time. And then when the floods are over, all of the construction workers, where have they gone? They've gone as they should to the flats to help those people rebuild their house. And what happens in that time? Our house isn't getting rebuilt. And so we're walking through this process that's dragging out longer and longer and longer. And as things go on, the price continues to go up. Lumber costs more now, and this costs more now, and interest rates are going up, and this is higher, and this is higher. And all the while, we're saying, Lord, you said for us to walk this road. And so we're in this road, we're walking it, but sometimes it looks like this. And he, guess what tomorrow is, is supposed to be? Tomorrow is supposed to be our move-in day. But guess what? It's not! <laughs> Surprise! One more curve in the road where, oh, you thought this was going to happen, but it's not. When is our move-in day? Good question. So glad you asked. I'm not 100% sure, but it could be sometime in the next two weeks. But guess what tomorrow is? Tomorrow is move-out day from our rental. After eight months of living in, in our wonderful in-laws house, we had to go find a rental because we said, this is taking too long. So we moved in with some landlords. We found a little suite to live in, but now it's time to go. We made plans because we were supposed to move into our house tomorrow. So we're moving out of our rental house tomorrow, and guess where we're going? Back to the in-laws. Isn't, isn't the way the Lord works sometimes just wonderful? I'm telling you this because I want you to see that you're not alone, that we're regular people and we deal with things like everybody else does. We walk through these things and there has been times where we found ourselves when the price goes up, when the interest rates keep going higher and higher and we have what's called a construction mortgage right now, which the bank deems as the most volatile phase of building a home. And so they make you pay, pay prime plus until you can convert to an, a normal mortgage. And so we're, pay, we're playing, we're paying prime plus crazy interest rates right now. So the rate keeps going up, prices keep going up, everything keeps changing, and we're trusting God. But there are times when you're saying, God, this does not look like what I thought it was gonna look like. This has taken way longer than we ever thought that it was gonna look like. What do you do when you find yourself in these places, when you've fallen off and nothing looks the way that you thought it should look, nothing looks the way that you feel like it should look, and nothing looks like the way you even think the Lord thought it might look? But I wanna tell you, the Lord always knows what's gonna happen. Go with me to Matthew chapter 18, 14, I'm sorry, Matthew 14. We're gonna look at some scriptures here and we're gonna finish up. Matthew chapter 14. Eyes on Jesus is what we're talking about. Jesus has just finished feeding the 5,000. And in verse 22, it says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and crossed the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up in the hills by himself to pray. A night fell while he was alone there. I want to just take a second, first of all, and stop and look at verse 23. Verse 23 doesn't have anything to do with what I'm going to talk about in a second here, but I want to point out 
this little nugget of information for you that Jesus went off by himself to pray. You need to spend time with the Lord. You need to find time in your life where you go off alone and spend time being in his presence, where you're praying, where you're reading your Bible, and where you have time where the Lord is allowed to speak to you. It's not you just taking your list to the Lord with all of your concerns, all of your needs, all of your demands, but you have a relationship with Jesus, where you have a relationship with the Lord, where you go off and you spend time with him. That's what Jesus was doing here. He was alone with the Lord, praying, spending time in his presence, being recharged, being refreshed, being renewed. This is where we need to find ourselves often. Can I get an amen? Verse 24 says, meanwhile, as Jesus is off praying, meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear and they cried out, it's a ghost. Jesus isn't fooling around with trying to find the disciples to get back in the boat. The Bible says that Jesus is just walking on the water. He sent the disciples, get in the boat, go to the other side, I'll meet you over there. He finishes praying, and he just says, it's time for me to go, I gotta meet the disciples. So Jesus just gets up and begins to walk across the water. How cool is that? You ever think about Jesus walking on the water? And it's not calm water, it's not a perfect crystal clear day at the lake and there's no waves. It's like a storm. The disciples, the Bible said, are in trouble. There are waves, there are wind. It's a bad time to be out on the water. And the Bible says that Jesus is just out there walking across the lake, just going for it. It's in the same storm, the disciples. There's two very different points of view here. Jesus is on a mission. He's going somewhere. Yeah, I'm going, I'm just going for great. I'm getting my walks, I'm getting my steps in today. Got to pray all night, and I'm walking across the water, yeah. Oh, look, it's the disciples over there. Hey, boys, what's up? Yeah, woo! Barefoot skiing, check it out. The disciples see Jesus. Mark's gospel tells us that Jesus wasn't even gonna go stop and see the disciples. He wasn't looking for the boat on the lake. He was going to the other side. He was just gonna meet them there and they were gonna have to sort out the problems themselves. Now you guys are in the boat, you're fine. Don't worry about it. You'll get to the other side. I told you to go there. I'll meet you on the other side. I'll go to go ahead of you. And he's just giving it. He's just walking over there. Mark says he wasn't even coming to the boat. But then the Bible says the disciples are troubled. They see Jesus. They think it's a ghost. And they begin to cry out, okay? They're in a bad way. The Lord told them to do something, get in a boat and go to the other side. And it's not turning out the way they thought it should turn out. Don't you think that if the Lord said, go to the other side, I mean, like, truthfully, if it was me and Jesus said, Jake, get in a boat, I'll meet you on the other side, truthfully, deep down inside, and I think we're all the same, we'd probably expect it to be smooth sailing and a great leisurely cruise across the lake, wouldn't we? With fish jumping in to feed us and the beautiful starlit sky and the moon's out and just like this crazy wind, like this gentle breeze cooling us down yet powering the boat across so we don't even have to row. Don't you feel like that's, if Jesus said get in the boat, don't you feel like that's what you would expect? Am I alone in this? Have you ever thought about it? Let's think about it right now. 
So Jesus said, get in the boat. And the Bible says they're in trouble. They're in a bad way. They think they're gonna drown and die. And so uh, they're terrified in their fear. They cry out and they say, it's a ghost. That's, here's, this just hit me this second. What do you cry out in your fear? The disciples said in their fear, or the, the word says in their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But in your moments of doubt and fear, what are you crying out? Are you crying out the name of Jesus? Are you crying out the word of God? Are you crying out what the Bible says, what we talked about last week? Or are you crying out, it's a ghost and we're all gonna die? Interesting. Anyways, let's keep going. Verse 27, Jesus spoke to them at once and he said, don't be afraid, take courage, I'm here. Then Peter called out to him. I love Peter so much. I think Peter's probably one of my favorite people in the word of God because he's so relatable, isn't he? He seems so dumb. I mean, he does. Like, honestly, Peter's very passionate, John said. Yes, he's very passionate. But he does seem a little dense at times as well. Like, there are things in the Bible that you just, you just read and you're like, I don't understand. Like, obviously, we have the hindsight of being able to read the Word of God and we can say, oh, okay, it all makes sense. But in the moment, you're like, how did Peter not recognize that? How did, why did Peter pull out his sword? Jesus kept talking about this. Why did he cut off that guy's ear? Why did he say these things? And so anyways, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. What a bold statement. What a bold statement. Peter says to Jesus, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come out to you on the water. Tell me to walk out to you because Jesus is over there somewhere. He's not by the boat. He's not standing there with his arms propped up on the side of the boat and he's outside and they're going up and down the waves. And he's like, hey guys, what's going on? It's kind of, it's kind of crazy and windy out here. Really rainy, right? Like it's weird, you know? No, he's over there and Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus replies and he says, uh, verse are we in? 29. Okay, verse 29, Jesus says, yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter gets over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Jesus says, come. Peter gets over the side of the boat and walks on the water toward Jesus. This isn't even Jesus's idea for Peter to walk on the water. This is Peter's idea. That he submits to Jesus. Have you ever thought about this? Jesus wasn't just walking across and saw the boat and said, hey, Peter, come join me. Let's walk to the other side together. I want to talk to you about something. No, this is the disciples. They're all afraid. Peter says, if it's really you, tell me to come out there and see you. This is Peter's idea. And Jesus says, well, it's, it's me. So then I guess the answer, the response is, come on over, Peter. If you really want to walk over here, then come over here. Peter jumps out of the boat and begins to walk on the water towards Jesus. It's Peter's idea. And the Bible says in verse 30, but when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. When Peter got over the side of the boat and he began to walk, at some point, Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. At some point, oh, the video is gone, but at some point when you're riding the skateboard of life, at some point, 
You take your eyes off of Jesus, you fall over the side, and when you take your eyes off of Jesus, maybe things aren't looking the way that you think they should look in your life. Maybe things that God said, I want you to walk this way with me, we're going to go here together, and you begin to walk, but like Peter, at times, we take our eyes off of Jesus, and the Bible says that he began to sink as he took his eyes off of Jesus. When you take your eyes off of the Lord, doubt and fear begins to rise in your heart. And as doubt and fear begins to rise in your heart, it begins to have a voice louder than faith in your life. And if you're not careful, you will listen to that voice. And if you listen to the voice of the enemy, if you listen to the lies of the enemy, you will begin to fall beneath the waves of life. You will end up on the side of the skateboard instead of riding the skateboard like God has said for you to do. You've got to keep your eyes on Jesus. The Bible says that he took his eye, well, it doesn't say he took his eyes off Jesus, but it says when he saw the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. And he cries out, he says, save me, Lord. He said, that word save me is the Greek word sozo. And it's talking about the rescue of physical life from some impending death or instant peril, or um, impending peril or instant death. He's really, Peter really is saying, save me. I'm about to die. I'm going under. And if you don't do something, this is going to be the end of me. Peter's saying, save me, Lord. And I want you to see this. Immediately, Peter took his eyes off Jesus. He begins to sink. And there's a transfer. He's looking around. And he suddenly realizes, if I don't get my eyes back on Jesus, I'm going to die. If I don't take my eyes off of these circumstances around me, I'm not going to make it. And so he shifts his eyes back to Jesus. And he says, Lord, save me. And the Bible says, immediately. Does your translation say immediately? Instantly. As soon as Peter put his eyes back on Jesus, in verse 31, it says, Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. When you're walking through life and life doesn't look the way that you thought it was going to look, when God called you to walk on a road, when you're walking on a path together and God says, come out, Reese, come follow me down this path. We're going to walk this way. I want you to come here. We're going to do this together. And you begin to step out in faith. You begin to follow the Lord. You begin to exercise your own faith. You begin to trust him. But when we begin to take our eyes off him or when things don't line up the way we thought and we begin to look around at the circumstances, that's when we fall off the surfboard, the skateboard, the boat. We begin to drown because our eyes are no longer on Jesus. But when you put your eyes back on Jesus and begin to cry out to him for you to save you, immediately Jesus is there to grab your hand and pull you back to safety. Verse 32 Verse 31 says, you have so little faith, Jesus said, why did you doubt me? Verse 32 says, when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped, the disciples worshiped him and said, you really are the son of God. What I love about that little phrase right there, when they climbed back into the boat, is we know that Peter and Jesus weren't just standing two feet away from the boat. They were obviously some kind of distance away. And Jesus reached down, pulled Peter up, 
and they walk back to the boat together. I imagine they probably walked back together hand in hand. I imagine Peter was probably hanging on pretty tight to Jesus. Imagine Jesus was like, Peter, could you give me a little breathing room, please? You're suffocating me. I remember one time we were on a holiday with Jen and her family, and, and the kids were younger, and oh, we had like this dock, like a floating dock. It was super, super just ghetto. It was basically like these oil drums. It was, yeah, it was a pillar lake. Who knows where pillar lake's at? Beautiful lake. We were on this, this floating dock, and it was like oil drums filled with air, and then like these rickety two-by-four, no, like, a, like plywood four-by-eights on top of it. And we're out there floating around this lake together. And um, me and Sydney were out in the water swimming, and I don't know what got into this child's head, but she just began to, like, crawl all over me in the water. And it's, like, deep. We're in a lake, and she begins to, like, crawl on my back, and she's pushing me under the water, and there's nothing to stand on. There's nothing to support myself, so I'm literally drowning. And I'm, like, coughing and sputtering, and I'm trying to help her get to the raft, and I'm trying to get to the raft, and she's having the best time of her life drowning, drowning her dad. <laughs> And I'm like, not, I'm, I'm literally, it's like the one time in my life that I thought I was going to drown at the hands of my daughter. And I'm sputtering underwater. But something happens when, when you're in that place of such uh, despair and you think you're not going to make it, that you cling to that part, that person that can save you. And I want to tell you today that when you're trusting Jesus and you're walking on this path with him and things don't look like, the answer to the question of what do you do when you've stepped out in faith and you're obeying the Lord and it doesn't look like things are going the way that you thought they were going to go or they look the way that you thought they should look, what do you do in those times? The answer to that question is, is you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and you call out to Jesus who is your salvation. You call out to Jesus who is your savior. And when you call out to Jesus and when you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. He is immediately there in the midst of your trouble. He's immediately there in the midst of your storm where he reaches down, grabs your hand, pulls you back to safety, and walks you back onto the path where you're supposed to be. Life isn't always fair. I don't think fair... (laughs) Maybe I'm from a different generation, but I don't think fair is even a word that I think it's a fake word. <laughs> but I want to tell you this, that there will be times when you find yourself beside that skateboard, when you're walking with the Lord and you're not sure what's going on and you say, Lord, I feel like you said this. I know that I went back and I prayed and you said to walk this path. I know that you said this, that, or the other. I'm trusting you, but it just does not look like what you said was gonna happen, it's gonna happen. What do I do in this moment? And the Lord always says to you, keep your eyes on me, keep looking at me, and we'll walk to the end together hand in hand. And I wanna tell you, when you walk through those things, when you walk through those paths and they don't look the way that you thought they were gonna look, the Lord uses those in your life to teach you lessons, to cause your faith to grow, to show you his goodness, to show you his love, to show you that he cares for you, to show you his kindness. God is always at work whether we see it or not. You want to say something? You know, in the in-between, 
anyone in a situation where you're just trusting Jesus right now? Hands, yeah. The in-between. See, the, the Bible says that God is the alpha. We know that he's the beginning. It says he's the omega. It means he's the end. He's the, be, he's the one who begins things. He's the one who finishes things. And he's also everything in between. If we just close our eyes for a moment, and if you're in the in-between, do you know what we have an opportunity? We have an opportunity to see Jesus. We have an opportunity in those moments to come face to face with Jesus. We have an opportunity to get to know Jesus. We have an opportunity to get to see that his word is true, that his word is real, and that he is not a man that he should lie. And just as Pastor Jake was preaching um, this morning, and I was reminded of Romans 5. Jaden, can you put Romans 5 on this screen in the New Living? This is the Apostle Paul saying in Romans 5, verse 3, in the New Living Translation. You got it, Jaden? We can rejoice. Say rejoice. Two. Say two. When we run into problems and trials, for we know, say we know, that they help us develop, what's the next word? Endurance. Say it again. Say endurance. And endurance, next verse, develops strength. Say strength. Next verse, Jaden. And endurance develops strength of character. Say character. And character strengthens our confident hope. Say hope of salvation. Next verse. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. Are you challenged in the in-between not to be disappointed? Yeah. It says, for we know how clearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. At just the right time. But I want to go back to that verse, next, the first five, Jaden. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. If you're standing in the in-between church, if you're standing in the middle of an in-between moment where you're trusting God for your health, where you're trusting God for a relationship, where you're trusting God for restoration, where you're trusting God for finances, where you're trusting God to come through on this idea that you felt that he gave you, but it's not turning out the way that you thought it was going to, and you're like, God, is that really you speaking? Was that really you that told me and my family to go do that? And he's like, uh-huh. God has a word for you. He's saying in this hope that we know that God doesn't just give hope, but hope is who he is. God is saying to you today, I will not lead you to disappointment. That's a word from God for you today if it's you. I will not lead you to disappointment, church. And some of us in the in-between have allowed disappointment to get into our hearts. And then when disappointment lingers too long in our hearts, it can lead to defeat. 
And then when defeat gets too long into our hearts, it can lead us to places of failure. And failure can lead to depression and discouragement. And then we have a problem. But what God is saying to you is, I am here, church. And in fact, I did call you to do that. I was the alpha that started this process with you. And I will be the omega. But in this in-between, I am with you. And I want you to know that. It produces character. It produces endurance. It produces patience. I choose not to get focused on a house this season because my focus is on Jesus. I choose not to idolize a house because that is not my purpose. My purpose is that I would know Christ. That is my purpose. My purpose every single day is to help lead people to become more like Jesus. The house is just a tool. Has the house been a distraction? Yeah, a little bit. Have we had to stay really focused? Yeah, a lot. It has taught us so much. Have we seen God show up in extraordinary ways? So much. That's what that message two weeks ago inspired me. Thank you. The Lord told me to wake up every morning before I do anything and say, thank you. Thank you. And if you're in an in-between moment, just lift your hands to the Lord. And we're going to say thank you to Jesus. Say thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for opportunities to get to know you more. Thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Thank you, God, for this beautiful baby and daughter that you've given to us. Thank you, God, for restored health. Thank you, God, for restored family. Thank you, God, for restored relationships. But in the in-between, keep your eyes on Jesus. We must, we must, we must, we must say thank you Jesus something breaks us so good if we can stand in the in-between and say thank you Jesus because he is able to come and do something that only he can do let's lift our hands to the Lord do you have something else you want to do we're going to sing this song called worthy of it all we're not going to ask God for anything we're just going to praise him for who he is. Amen. You know, when we praise God just for who he is, what he desires for us is going to happen. We don't have to beg God. My kids don't have to beg me for things. I hope not. I hope not. I love them. I love Sydney. I love Josiah. God loves you. God loves you. Let's just lift our hands to him. He loves you because he loves you because he loves you. For those standing in the in-between, for supernatural strength to fill your heart today, that you would not lose hope, that you would not lose faith, but in fact, today in the presence of the Lord, that hope is rising, that faith is rising, that you will continue to stand strong today, not by might, not by power, but by his Holy Spirit. I pray today for undivided focus to come into your life, that you wouldn't look to the left and you wouldn't look to the right, but you were able to on surrendered knees, with a surrendered heart, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus because he is the joy that is set before you. 
church, he's the joy that is set before you. Amen? Amen? I was thinking about David this morning. David, you know, who slew Goliath. You know what? Everyone else was caught up with the fact that he was the giant, that Goliath was the giant. You know what David was like? His eyes were on Jesus. He's like, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? When we're standing in, the, in between, remember that there is a cause for your life, that there is a plan and purpose for your life. And it's not to strive, it's not to struggle, it's not to toil, but it's to live your life for Jesus Christ. Amen? We can and we will fix our eyes on Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.